Uh, so my name is James. If you don't know me, uh, I work with the youth here. Glad to, glad to meet you. Uh, Aaron is still on vacation, and he says hi and sends a picture. Uh, guess which one's Aaron? Not the one with the spidey cap. He's actually the one with the helmet. I think he had a bad experience. So I think he wears a helmet now whenever he snowboards, which is safety first. But usually working with Aaron, I've learned that safety comes like third. So I'm surprised that he's wearing a helmet, but whatever. It's true. Uh, I mean, everything we do is good uh, when we work. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, will you guys stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Uh, this is John 14, 23. 23. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home within him. Uh, pray with me. Uh, God, I pray uh, that we would be uh, we would be those who want to serve you. That, that we would understand that you come and, and make your home in us. And that we would long to share that with others. That we would long to share your love that makes us anew. And, and that we would be those who, who look to have a great relationship with you. Who look to be fellowshipping with you daily, God. So that other people can see the miracle that you bring. And these things, and your name, I pray. Amen. Sorry, I, I, I'm having a hard time. Second time around, usually, it's the worst. Sorry, um, but uh, I promised someone that I would uh, kind of explain this, uh, which I, I forgot to do before. So I'm just going to do it now. There's a Furby right there. Uh, it's chill. Don't worry about it. Uh, it was something a gift, a wide open gift exchange, and someone thought it would be funny to put it on stage. I don't think he's in the room. Not funny. Uh, okay. Let's get started. So, so today I'd like to talk to you guys about God coming and making his home in you and, and in me. But before we talk about that, we first have to talk about settling and, and how much of the time we settle for things and what we settle for. And now sometimes settling can be great. I mean, you go to buy a car and the guy's like, I want 15 grand. And you're like, 15? I'll give you nine. He's like, oh, man, that's brutal. How about 14? And he goes, 10? And he goes, 12? And he goes, deal. Not that bad, right? I don't think it's that bad, 12 grand. Um, and, and so you, you settled for 12, and it's not bad. But, but then sometimes your boss is like, hey, James, while I'm gone, take down the Christmas decorations, change the backdrop, change the side drops, which we haven't started on that yet. Uh, and so we're going to start on it tonight. Don't worry. Uh, and so you take down most of Christmas decorations, and you change, you know, the backdrop, but you leave the sides up, and you're like, he's on vacation, he's going to need work to do when he gets back. <laughs> so you settle for leaving some of the stuff up, which that'll probably never happen to you. Uh, but let's say your boss is like, I want this report on my desk Monday morning. And, and so you do most of the report, and it's, you know, adequate, I guess, and it's there by Monday lunchtime. And you kind of settled for a job, I guess, done. I mean, it's not really done good. And the thing that we struggle with is that we're surrounded with stuff that's just good enough. And so we do good for the most part, but rarely is it ever great. And so as time goes on, we learn to settle and we, we learn this vocabulary of, well, it's good enough. I'm out of energy, so this will just have to do. Now, I don't know who made a New Year's resolution in here. Uh, 
I don't want to see your hands. Don't worry. But if you're sticking with your New Year's resolution, good job. Three days strong. All right, keep going. And uh, statistically, 12% of people who make New Year's resolutions actually keep them, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, but that's just people who say they made New Year's resolutions. There's another like half of people out there that didn't tell anyone they made a New Year's resolution because they didn't want anyone to keep them accountable to it because 12% of us actually stick with it. Um, and so if or, or when we fail our New Year's resolution, it, it'll be because we settled. Now, now, now take this, okay? Say you made the New Year's resolution that by beach season, you are gonna walk the beach proudly, okay? So if you're a dude, you know, you pop your shirt off and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. And, and you know, if you're a lady, you go and you, you lay your towel out and build up the base tan for the lake and, and you know, it's, it's good. And so that's your New Year's resolution. And so you say, I'm gonna buy a treadmill and I'm not gonna buy the one from Craigslist for like 50 bucks that works half the time that someone uses skateboard on. Um, it's awesome. Um, you know, I'm going to buy the nice one, the nice one for $500, and I'm going to run for four days a week, 30 minutes each time. So the first, first week goes by, and, and you run uh, 30 minutes four times. Second week goes by 30 minutes four times. And, and then the third week comes around, and you're like, man, this is brutal. I'm getting tired. So you sleep in for 15 minutes and run for 20 minutes. And you're like, shoot, I feel the same amount of exhaustion after 20 minutes than I do after 30 minutes. Why am I running for 30 minutes? So you start running for 30 minutes, and then you have a late weekend. You kind of skip a day. And then by March, your $500 treadmill is sitting in your garage collecting dust, not doing anything. You know, this happens to us. We, we learn to just settle for things, and we develop this habit of saying, well, it's good enough. I, I read this somewhere. I, I can't remember where, but the guy was talking about the Titanic. Right, the unsinkable ship, which, as we all know, didn't work. Uh, but and he's talking about why did the Titanic fail? Was it that the ice was so sharp that it pierced through the layers and layers of metal, or was it the thousands and thousands of welds that were done just good enough that was said, "We'll do better on the next one," or "We'll do better on the next one," and, and then when trauma comes, bam, disaster strikes because these welds were just done good enough. It's kind of the same for us. The settling just grows. It grows from working out to cutting corners at our house projects to, to our jobs and our duties there. And then from work, we start to settle in relationships and from time with the family and time with our spouse and, and time with our relationship with God. And we kind of just settle for good enough. Uh, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, kind of sounds like a self-help book, but whatever. Um, good, He says, good is the enemy of great. Few people attain great lives, in large part because it is just so easy to settle for a good life. Now, I'm not saying that money is going to make your life great. I'm not saying that possessions will fill your life and it will just be wonderful. I'm saying that Jesus comes and God comes to make life great. And so much of the time, we settle for just okay. You know, children of God are to be filled with the Spirit. And we are filled with His Spirit when we become a Christian. God saves us and gives us the Spirit at time of new birth. Acts 1.5 For John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus takes us and places us into His family. And the Spirit is always with us. Right? We think that we can come to the Spirit whenever we want and kind of visit the Spirit here and walk away and visit the Spirit there. 
and we try and treat the spirit like cake. Okay, This is what I mean by cake. Let's say we have an abundance of free cake in the back. So everyone, liking cake, goes to get free cake. So you stand in line, and you go through once, and you're like, man, this is delicious. Uh, and then so you're kind of looking around, and the first line goes through, and you're like, man, seconds would really hit the spot right now. But I'm not going to be the first person to get seconds, because no one wants to be that guy. Uh, so you're like the fifth person to get seconds. And you're like, yes, this is an awesome free cake. And then you're kind of looking around again, you know, who got seconds? Is anyone looking? You're thinking, can I really afford three pieces of cake? <laughs> I bought a treadmill this year. I can afford it. I'm just going to run it off. And so you go back for, for three pieces of cake, and, and you kind of just treat it like you can come back to it whenever we want. But the Spirit is always with us. We are to be full of the Spirit. John 14, 16, and 17 says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The spirit is always with those who believe. And the spirit makes them, it makes us anew. The Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. Also in Titus 3.5, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out generously on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so, how are we being made new? When someone first becomes a believer, and they truly become a believer, it's this beautiful thing, and people love to watch it take place because this person has fallen in love. It's a lot like watching young love blossom. Okay, now, now people love to watch young love blossom. I know this because I've got a little of that going on in my own life, and, and people are just like, "You and Haley are the cutest thing." I'm like, "Thanks." <laughs> like, like random dudes will come up to me and say, it. and this is like, "Thanks, man." I was like, you put this picture on the screen right here. See? And all the ladies are going, aww. And all the guys are going, if there were other dudes in the room, I would be going, aww. It's an adorable picture. Not meaning to brag, but we are pretty cute. Um, <laughs> and this is what it's like for a new believer. It, that person is learning so much and becoming someone different. And that person is never the same again. They're made anew. And why should it change? We should be constantly being made anew. And there's a couple different ways we're made anew. The first is that a believer now becomes part of God's family, which means that the believer should be looking for joy and finding joy in a different place, finding eternal joy in the Father, but also being made new day to day. It seems like every day we need to start over. Every day we need a fresh start. Every day we need to be made into something that we aren't. Every day, it's, oh, well, I messed up here. Oh, I didn't have enough patience here. I didn't have enough patience with my coworker or with my kid or with my spouse or with my girlfriend. You know, I need to stop looking at dirty websites. I need to control my tongue. I didn't love like I should have loved today. God was calling me to do something, and instead of doing it, I just looked the other way. And every day, we need to be made new. And God comes and saves us, and he saves us from ourselves. And it's exactly what we need. Hebrews 10, 14. 
because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Constantly, we should be being made holy. And yet we fall for this lie that we have it all together. Yet we fall for this lie that, that you know, everything is good. And I'm not saying everything is always a mess and that we don't have anything together, but sometimes it kind of seems that way. Uh, and too often, we'll focus on the things that we're good at and kind of look over the things that we need to be, be made new on or we'll look over the things that we're not good at. It's like, well, you know, I'm a really patient person. I'm extremely patient with people. But I'm not very good at giving of my time. And, and so the little time I see my kid or I see my spouse, I'm very patient with them. But that doesn't happen that often. Well, they should be patient. They should be glad that I'm patient with them. Or it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm good at giving advice. You know, I'm practically the best at giving advice. But when it comes to taking advice, don't want to hear it. I don't care what you have to say. Just don't want to hear it. Or, you know, I'm good at praying and I'm good at reading my Bible. But I can't remember the last time I tithe. Or I always go to church. Every week I'm at church. Every week I'm at small group. And I'm always on time. Uh, but when I'm there, it's not like I'm participating. I kind of sit on the outskirts and kind of watch people, you know, mingle. You know, people kind of try and talk to me. I'm kind of just like, well, you know, I really have to go get some cake. Or I really have to go to the bathroom. Or, oh, look at that. Time for lunch. Got to go. And we don't really participate in anything. Or it's like, you know, I'm good at, at giving them my paycheck. I give every week. I give every month. Uh, I'm good. But I can't remember the last time I actually spent time with God. And then when people ask us about how our relationship is with God, we, we kind of focus on these things. We're like, oh, well, I gave this month. Oh, well, I was at church every week. Oh, oh well, I read. And we say, it's good. It's pretty good. Rarely do we say, dude, it's great. Like, it's awesome. You know, living the life God calls us to is not just something that we can pick and choose what we're going to do. That's sports, okay? With sports, you can pick and choose whatever you're going to play and what position you're going to play and, and whatever. Now, now, I'm not, this isn't me because I'm kind of knocking a sport that I really like. Uh, but let's say you like to play softball. I played softball uh, last season and I learned a few things. So let's say that you like to play softball particularly right field, particularly right field because no one hits it there. You kind of just hang out, right? And you're just like, man, this is cool. I got my glove on, cheering my team. Yeah, go team. Yeah, catch that. You know, there's not a lot of running involved. You don't have to do much. You kind of just sit there, pick dandelions, and go, oh, how pretty. <laughs> I think that's a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but then I'm in soccer. Oh, I would never play soccer. All that running mumbo-jumbo and kicking and whatnot. I get tired just watching people play soccer. And you don't have to play soccer. Or let's say you like to watch sports. You're not, you know, a sport enthusiast and you don't really like to play, but you love to watch sports. You could, you could be a great sport critic. You're great at yelling at your TV. Jump higher. Hit that guy harder. Hit the ball. Throw it faster. You're great at that. And when it comes to sports, that's fine. I mean, you can do that. You can pick and choose what sport you're going to play. You can pick and choose what sport you're going to watch. But when it comes to living life for Jesus, it's not like that. You, you can't watch people live the life you are called to. And, and we're not perfect. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect. And I'm not saying that we're going to be the star player or the MVP. What I'm saying is that Jesus comes and equips us for the game. And so what are we doing with that? 
hanging out in right field, not really doing anything, or hanging out on the bench and yelling, go team, instead of living the life we're called to. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 5.48. I'm going to let you know right now, first service has you beat on the Bible bringing. They had like 20 Bibles. I was really impressed. But you guys did better than the last time I spoke in front of in here because last time there was like one Bible. Yeah, way to go, Luke. Way to bring your Bible. Literally, that's what happened. Um, okay, Matthew 5, 48. It says this, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, now, I just said that we're not going to be perfect, and, and we'll go into that. But being perfect, it doesn't. we're not going to be, but that doesn't mean that we just don't try for it. It doesn't mean that we just give up and stick to what we're used to. Because if we stick to what we're used to, it usually involves us in our sin. If you open to Matthew 5, look two verses above Matthew, 4, above Matthew 5, 48. So I'm at verse 46 now. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Because, shoot, it's super easy to stick to what you know. It's super easy to be nice to someone who's nice to you, right? Let's say... Okay, it's Tuesday, and you're on your lunch break. And so you go to Jack in the Box, and it's Tuesday at lunch. So right away, you have an at least seven-car pileup that you have to wait in to order your food. So you get to the box, and the person on the other end goes, Hi, how's your day going? Oh, this is weird. Right? They must have just started their shift or something. Because usually it's like, Hi, welcome, Jack Box, what you get. Number five, I guess? I don't know. Um, but, but this person sounds like they legitimately care about your day. So you go, uh, my day's good. Really, it could be the worst day, right? It could be raining outside and you'll have bald tires and you are fighting to keep your car on the road. I hate that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, work could be super stressful and your boss is breathing down your neck and your kid got in a fight at school and gave some other kid a black eye, so you're on your lunch break and have to pick him up, bring him home. You just waited in a seven-car pileup to get a burger dipped in grease. That's really not that great of a day. But you still say, it's good. How's yours? Because you feel just, you, don't, you feel terrible being mean to this person who is nice to you. So you say, good, hoping, hoping that they say, my day's good. What can I get you? Because you don't want to talk to this person. All you want is your food. That's easy. That's really easy. But what if that person's a jerk? I mean, if someone's a jerk to you, usually our first thought is be mean back. When someone cuts you off, it's like, oh, i got to get ahead of them so I can cut them off. Bring it. You know, just me, okay. Um, <laughs> when Jesus says be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, he's talking about God's perfect kind of love. The love that keeps on loving even though someone may hate you. The, the love that truly cares for someone around us. The love that encourages. The love that longs to meet the needs of others. The love that thinks of others before we think of ourselves. That's a totally different story. To have that reaction takes time and it takes effort to learn how to love like God loves. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand the Lord's, what, understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
And so I'm going to ask you, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And if you know what it means to be filled with the Spirit, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but if you know what it means, when was the last time you were filled with the Spirit? Think about that. Because for some strange reason, we settle for having the Spirit. We're not really being filled with the Spirit. We're just having it. And don't get me wrong, the Spirit is wonderful. First John 2.27 As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all the things and about how His anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as He has taught you, remain in Him. We should be full of the Spirit. And so are you being filled with the Spirit daily, or do you settle for being filled Maybe once a week when you come here, or maybe just talking about the Spirit every once in a while. Uh, flip to Galatians 5.22. If you have a Bible, underline this if you don't already, because it's a keeper. Um, if you don't have a Bible, grab the pen in front of you, write it on your hand, go home and underline it. Come back to it next week. It, it's, a, it's a solid verse. All verses are solid, so whatever. <laughs> Uh, this is Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, against, against such things, there is no law. So being filled with the Spirit is the Spirit teaching us and growing us in these things. As we grow in love and in joy and in peace, we have patience and we're kind. We're good and we're faithful. We have gentleness. We have self-control. And, and the Spirit bringing us to a place where our lives reflect these things. Where our lives reflect the love of the Father. And we learn to love like He loves. Like that verse was talking about. To be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect. That takes time. And that takes a lot of effort to learn. I'm reading this book. It's called uh, The Sacred Marriage. And, and I'm about halfway done. And it's pretty good so far. And, and uh, the author's friend is talking about his marriage. And he's talking about his relationship with his wife. And he goes, my relationship with my wife is a lot like a Porsche. Okay? And that is the correct way to say it, Porsche. Uh, and he goes, Porsches are great cars. Okay? Uh, they're fun. They're fast. They're zippy. They look good. You look better just driving one. That's a great car. Shoot, anyone would want a Porsche. Let someone take some money. Um, and those who don't have a Porsche, think how cool it would be to have a Porsche or to drive a Porsche. And those who have Porsches know how cool it is to drive a Porsche and to have a Porsche. But also they know how much it costs to maintain a Porsche. You know, they, they know the energy and the money and the headache it takes to keep a Porsche running. How an oil change is not just a 20-minute job that's, that's done in your driveway for 40 bucks, but how an oil change in a Porsche can cost you 150 bucks if you do it in your driveway. It can cost you anywhere from 200 to 500 dollars. I was reading this. It's legit. Okay. <laughs> people are like, that doesn't make sense. I didn't think it made sense either. These people know what they're talking about. People with Porsches. And it's a lot to keep up a, a Porsche. Um, how you're going to need new brakes in, in 
a Porsche because it's a faster car. You're going to be braking a lot more vigorously than you would in your Camry. You're going to need new brakes. And he talks about how his relationship is like this, how it's work to keep their marriage thriving. They need their alone time. They need to spend time together. No kids, no work, just them. Now, what about your relationship to God? What about your marriage to God? I mean, it's this beautiful and it's this wonderful thing. Too often, we know that our relationship with God is not what it once was. Or or we know that it's not what it could be. And instead of taking the time to get it running like it once was or like it could be, we kind of just sit there and whine and say, my relationship with God isn't what it once was. I don't feel close to God anymore. I don't get it. I read every once in a while. I pray here and there. I go to church. But it's not growing. I mean, it's kind of good, but that's it. Uh, I, I was having a conversation about this with, with a good friend of mine. And he's saying, James, I read my Bible every day, all the time. I'm like, that's good, man. And this conversation kind of made me feel guilty. Um, but he's like, no, you don't understand. If I don't read my Bible, I cannot go throughout my day. I, I just am angry, bitter. It's about me. And when it's about me, life is not good. So I have to read my Bible. When I wake up, I read my Bible. I bring my Bible with me. When I have time to kill before class starts, I read my Bible. When I've got time to kill before I'm waiting for an appointment to start, I read my Bible. When I've got 30 minutes at home of downtime, instead of flipping on the TV, I read my Bible because that's what makes me have a good day. I'm like, man, what if we were like that? What if, what if we didn't feel right when we didn't get to spend time with God that day? I mean, how much would our relationships change? How much would our entire life start to change? And not just our relationship with God, but our relationship with everyone. Because now we have this great, wonderful relationship when we are being made new daily. And through that, He's making us who He made us to be. Now, in all this, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about doing these things so that God loves you more or or getting close to God so that God will bless you and give you all kinds of money in a Porsche. I'm talking about if you're a believer, you have been reborn into God's family. I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit so that we start to have a higher view of God, so that we start to trust Him, so we bow our will to His And in turn, we're filled with love. We're full of joy and peace and patience. We have kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Where our lives turn into a place where it's no longer about us, but it's about Him. It's about what we can be doing for others, not what we can be doing for us. It's then, when our life reflects those things, that we are set free. And the Spirit longs to set us free. I mean, so so stop settling. Stop settling for this, this mediocre relationship with God or this good enough relationship with God. Have a great relationship. It, it takes time and it takes effort and it's not the easiest thing. But it's so great. And He comes and wants to do that. He comes and wants to make your life new day to day.
being made new is one of the reasons that we come to communion every week. Because communion is a place where, where we break the bread, which represents his body, and we dip it in the wine or the grape juice, which represents his blood. It's a way of saying, God, I messed up. I don't know what I'm doing. And he goes, through this act, through what I did for you, I'm making you new. And he makes us new. Uh, we also sing songs. Uh, we sing songs uh, about uh, his glory and about his power. Because his glory and his power has the ability to change us, to make us new. Uh, if you have questions about this, or you're kind of wondering, or, or need to pray with someone, there's going to be uh, elders and deacons in the back that would be stoked to pray with you, stoked to talk to you about, about being made new, about what it is, and pray with you about it. Uh, if you're a believer, we also uh, worship God through uh, tithing. Uh, there's offering boxes in the side and in the back. And this is a way of giving to God because he's given so much to us. And then lastly, uh, we hang out and we worship God through fellowship. When we talk to one another and we get to know one another, just fellowship with him. Uh, as Aaron's been saying the last couple weeks, uh, if you have a couple people around you that you trust, a couple really good friends, talk to them. Talk to them about what ways God is making you new and what areas God has made you new and, and what areas you're struggling with and have them keep you accountable so that you guys can grow together and build each other up for his glory. You guys pray. Uh, God, uh, God, we thank you for coming and making us new. We thank you for, for making a great relationship with you possible. And a relationship with you where it's not about us. It's about you. And it's not about the blessing that we get for ourselves, but it's about the blessing that we can be to others. I pray that you would put that on our hearts and that we would long to be close to you. That we would long to be made new every day through your power. God, we thank you for coming and doing that. In your name.